when someone is dying, managing symptoms is often the most critical part of their care. It makes sense. You don't have to accept being told that you can't get more pain relief for the next three hours or until the morning. When you're in excruciating pain, you cannot wait those three hours. At the end of life, if you think about it, it makes logical sense. The proper dose is whatever dose is necessary to keep you comfortable. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Cindy, we have a fun topic for today, don't we? It's not exactly something people are eager to discuss or even think about. So what do you say to um, talking about death and dying? Sure, why not? Nobody ever wants to talk about death and dying, much less plan for it. This is a hard topic, but it's important, especially if you want to have the smoothest ending possible for you, which we probably all do. Well, yeah. No, it's not a fun topic, but actually it is a very important one. If you let yourself think it through, people eventually get to the end of their lives and it becomes their time to die whether they're sick or just very old, have a terminal illness or are in unbearable pain. Yes, and at the end of life, finding a cure is no longer the goal. This is a hard transition for people, for the patient and their family, to move from treating the person, treating the disease or whatever it is, to just offering them as much comfort as possible and freedom from physical and emotional pain. Even doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers have trouble with this transition. They often keep pushing forward with invasive treatments and medications because death can be seen as a failure of their care rather than the natural event that it actually is. True. This can make a person's final days stressful and painful instead of peaceful and calm. At a certain point, We have to let go and focus on quality of life, not on pushing for a difficult and stressful ending. Exactly, Cindy. And this being the case, it helps to know that there are options so that people can be empowered to get the care they want and need during a serious illness or at the end of their lives. Thinking about options and talking about end-of-life care preferences and options with family and doctors helps make sure that we're as prepared as possible. Right. But it's not an easy thing to do. And family and doctors, they're all often kind of reluctant to deal with it. But we're going to talk about some of the options today just to get that conversation started. Correct. At the point of dying, we can't choose to live forever, but we can choose the way we go. There really are a number of choices for your life's ending that can help bring it about more peacefully. One of the first choices people make is whether to stay in your home or move into a care facility. If you end up in the hospital first because of some incident, 
you may get moved through the medical system, but you should still have options every step of the way. Most importantly, you can always control how much and what kind of treatment you get. And this is true whether you're dying or not. You always have the choice to decline any medical treatments. But that can be easier said than done, Cindy, because often people don't want to disappoint family members who want to do everything possible to keep their loved one alive. And as we said, doctors also often pressure people to keep trying to extend their lives. It really does make it hard. Yeah. Whether or not you accept or decline a treatment, you also have the right to receive state-of-the-art comfort care according to your personal needs. You're the only one who knows the pain you feel and what you need. And pain tolerance actually varies a lot. Only you know if the pain you feel is too much. And of course, any pain or discomfort you feel should be taken seriously. You also don't have to have a terminal illness to get pain relief and the comfort that you need at any time. Right. While hospice care is for people who are diagnosed within six months of dying, palliative care, which is care to manage pain and other symptoms, can be offered to anyone with a serious illness at any stage. Yeah, when someone is dying, managing symptoms is often the most critical part of their care. It makes sense. You don't have to accept being told that you can't get more pain relief for the next three hours or until the morning. When you're in excruciating pain, you cannot wait those three hours. At the end of life, if you think about it, it makes logical sense. The proper dose is whatever dose is necessary to keep you comfortable. Just like in the prime of life, people need a holistic combination of medical care, supplemental therapies like massage, acupuncture, aromatherapy, and mental health support as they get ready for their final life stage. Absolutely. And typical treatments intended to cure an illness or extend life aren't used once a person enters hospice care. But if something comes up and you choose to get care, you can certainly leave the hospice temporarily. We're just trying to say you should always be able to get the care that you want. Some people go on and off hospice as their needs arise. It's a bit of a paperwork and a shift in care, so it's not always desirable from the staff point of view. But that should not be your concern. And sometimes more treatment is possible, but it can also prolong the dying process, which could increase pain and suffering, but not improve quality of life. So you have to really think it through. It's an important consideration. It's ironic that people sometimes live longer once they go from curative care that focuses on curing their illness to the palliative care, which focuses on relieving pain and stress. Yeah, and that does happen a lot. In addition to refusing unwanted medical care or discontinuing life-sustaining treatment under the care of a physician, there are other additional choices you can make in your final days for a more peaceful death. For example, you can choose to voluntarily stop eating and drinking. It's known as VSID. This is exactly what it sounds like. As death gets closer, your body changes and it often takes away people's appetite anyway. So if someone chooses to let their body take over by refusing food and liquids, that's their right, and they should not be force-fed. Easier said than done, but yes. A dying person has the right to say no to food, liquid, and any feeding to shorten their dying process, because it would if you say no. 
With support to help ease discomfort, this option can lead to a natural, peaceful death. If you don't eat or drink, of course, you will die more quickly, reducing the length of suffering. It's also important to take it seriously if someone needs more aggressive management of extreme pain and other symptoms that continue to be problematic for them. Yeah, there are plenty of stories of people not getting the pain relief they need at this point in the dying process. It definitely helps to have an advocate to fight for more pain management. True, Julie. Another choice at this point could be total sedation, which is sedation to unconsciousness. It's also called palliative or terminal sedation. And at that point, the person stays unconscious until their death. Nutrition and fluids are stopped at that point if they haven't already been. And finally, medical aid in dying, which is a practice currently authorized in 10 states and the District of Columbia, is a safe medical practice in which a terminally ill, mentally capable adult with a prognosis of six months or less to live can get a prescription for medication which they can choose to take when they choose in order to die peacefully. The person has to be able to personally take the medication. No one else can administer it. For some people, having the prescription on hand brings comfort, whether they ever choose to take it or not. But it's a tricky thing because they can't wait too long if they want to use it. They can risk getting to the point where they cannot self-administer it. That would really be tough. Yeah. Regardless of what you choose, your personal beliefs, values, and priorities should always be respected and should inform the health care you get. If your doctor denies your request for any of these options, like palliative sedation, voluntarily stopping eating and drinking, or medical aid in dying, you want to ask why. Some healthcare systems, hospitals, or facilities don't support the full range of options. Most famously, those that are religious-based. Family members or advocates may need to work closely with staff to ensure patient choices are honored. Even consider getting a referral to another doctor or a new healthcare system that supports patient choice. If you get stuck in one in which you have to keep fighting for your needs, that is not good. Part of the reason we're talking about this now is that if you want to make sure your desires about your end-of-life care are followed, you need to create what's called an advanced directive to help dictate the care you receive. Other people's values, beliefs, religion, whatever, politics, those things should not get in the way of your choices about your peaceful ending. All of this is very difficult, but good planning is an important way to get this done. If you don't spell it all out beforehand, your healthcare representatives will have the right to decide on your behalf. So you want to make sure you designate someone you trust to speak for you and spell out your desires ahead of time. And that can mean having those difficult conversations, even when people don't want to. You need to make sure they understand what you want and agree to make it happen. They need to know that you have an advanced directive for them to enforce. An advanced directive, just to be clear, is a document that tells healthcare providers and family members what life-sustaining medical treatment you want or don't want if you can't speak for yourself. So it has two parts, a living will, which spells out what you want, and a medical power of attorney, which appoints someone to direct your care and advocate for you if you become unable to do so. The forms vary by state, but they're not hard to complete. You do not need a lawyer. 
Ideally, all adults should complete an advanced directive before you actually need one. And as you said, it should be discussed with loved ones and easily accessible. We can't stress this enough. Even once you create the document, you have to share it and talk to people to make sure they're on board with making sure it gets followed. You are counting on them, especially if the medical staff want to try every measure to keep you alive and you do not want that. Yeah, I had a crazy experience with that, actually. My mom had an advanced directive in her chart in a nursing rehab facility, and they knew she didn't want to be taken to a hospital for dialysis or kidneys were failing. But they clearly weren't comfortable with this. So they would agree in front of both of us. And then every time I left the facility, mom would call to let me know. They called an ambulance again. And I would have to go back, try to beat the ambulance and stop it. It was madness. So it also put me in this horrible position of seeming like this daughter who wouldn't let her mom go to the hospital. But it was her wish, not mine. So I finally just took her home out of there and found her a new medical team that actually listened to her. Wow, that's a that's a harrowing story, Cindy. <laughs> Unbelievable. You have to beat the ambulance. It's crazy. Right. So what we're saying here is make sure to give a copy to your doctors and have a copy with you when you're admitted to a healthcare facility. People who are dying often find out too late that the beliefs and values of their healthcare provider will limit their personal end-of-life choices. So even before moving into a place for assisted living, Make sure they'll honor your future wishes. Yeah, good thinking. Healthcare institutions, doctors, and even drugstores do not usually display information about their restrictive religious or moral policies. You actually have to ask. Yes, and there's no right choice. Decisions you make should be based on your own balance of the quality of your life versus the quantity of your life. If treatment or the side effects of it become unbearable for you, for any reason, you have the right to reject it. Yes, we can't stress that enough because people forget when they're in the medical system, they just feel kind of helpless. You always have the right to reject treatment. So you can get started with your advanced planning by getting the forms for a living will and a durable power of attorney from your state or go to the National Institute on Aging at nia.nih.gov for information about advanced care planning. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, take care.